Live from Stately Cross Manor, it's the Dockiverse Podcast, episode number 69, <laughs> Pickled Fernwinkles. In this episode, we've got RPG prompts, a three-box problem, and commentary. And now, let's get started. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'd just like to thank you all for being here, and I'd like to make some mentions of some goings-on at our house recently. In uh, January, on the 2nd of January, our beloved Basset Hound, Sasha, celebrated her 13th birthday. I took her into the vet a few days later, and they said she had elevated kidney indications. So they gave her some medicine, and they gave her some dog food that's made for animals with kidney problems, kidney disease. And uniformly, the dogs and cats that are supposed to eat this stuff don't like it. So we were having a hard time getting her to eat, and we'd give her a little other stuff with it, and she'd eat a little bit of it. But then a few days later, she pretty much stopped eating entirely, and we took her to the vet again, and they said that then she had an elevated liver problem. Now, when we first took her in, the liver problem wasn't there. So it came on quickly. Um, We took her in a couple days later. They uh, hooked up IVs, hydrated her, everything. She came home that night because it was outpatient care. And she wasn't a whole hell of a lot better. When we took her in the next morning, this was supposed to take several days. Well, second day, halfway through, the vet called us and said, Mr. Mrs. Cross, I don't think this is doing any good, and she's only getting worse. So right then and there, without much hesitation, we made the decision to let her go. And about an hour later, we went up to the vet's office, and they euthanized her. It was all very peaceful. It was the right decision. We did everything we could. The vet backed us up on that 100%. But sometimes you have to make the hard decision. So we laid Sasha to rest, and we were dogless for a while, but we knew we wanted to get another dog, probably not a basset hound. We had had Sasha for longer than any of our other dogs, almost as long as the next two dogs combined. We'd had her for 10 years and 16 days. Anyway, we went into the SBCA uh, about 10 days later to look at a couple of terriers, and they didn't have them anymore, but they had another one, a third one that we hadn't seen, and we ended up adopting him. He's a two-and-a-half-year-old male named Yo-Yo. He's been fixed. He's still wearing a cone from that because he can't stop licking himself, so we daren't take it off until at least 10 days or so have gone by. But we have had him for about nine days, and he's a sweet little guy. He's very loving. He wants to be in your lap all the time, and he is really helping our hearts heal. So that's what's been going on around here. Um, What's going to be going on in about a little over two weeks is Dundercon. First con I've been to in two years, because the last one I was in 
last one I went to was Dundercon 2020. And then they didn't have one in 2021. And so they're having it this year. Like I've said before in other episodes, I'm going. I'm running three games. All of them are in the 8 o'clock p.m. till midnight slot, four-hour games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I've never done that before. And I have at least one seminar, the one I'm doing, and I may be drug into another couple I don't know. Anyway, so that's the big deal around here. But now it's time for the really big deal, where I thank my patrons, who are wonderful and generous and just the best sort of folks you could ever want to meet. So thank you, David. Thank you, Avis. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Jame. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Peter. You guys are great. And if I see any of you at Dundercon, I'm going to give you a big hug, regardless of this whole social distancing thing. All right, folks. Our first uh, portion of the show up tonight is RPG prompts. And the three words I've got are interesting. The first one is tower, and towers are all over fantasy role-playing and often in other um, genres of role-playing. In the Western situation, the tower might be a rock tower out in the middle of the desert, like down in Monument Valley. In, uh, oh, I don't know, a pulp or a World War II sort of era adventure. It might be a tower or the Nazis have a fortress or a headquarters, or it might be where the bad guy has some tower out in the ocean, the towering rock that he's got his laboratory up on the top of. It could be a tower up in the mountains. There are a lot of ways a tower can fit into this. In fantasy world, of course, towers are where wizards live. Um, I don't know how much of that is based on Saruman from Lord of the Rings, but there you go. I would bet that in modern gaming, a lot of it is. So towers are there, and they're hard to get into very often because you've usually, sorry, usually only got one way in, and then you go up a winding staircase or something like that till you get to the top. Although I have had players fly into them on flying creatures, I have had, and I have actually done in games myself, climbed up the outside which is sometimes interesting if the guy on the top starts pouring down boiling oil or flinging fireballs or something like that. But yes, towers are all over the place. You can rescue princesses from them. You can have them as as watchtowers along the frontier where, you know, the orcs are on one side and you're on the other and everybody's got a watchtower to keep an eye on everybody else. Jimi Hendrix sang the Bob Dylan song about all along the watchtower. So that's a good one to play, perhaps when you're getting ready to send people out. To investigate something like that. So yeah, towers all over role-playing games. Our next RPG prompt is comfort. And comfort doesn't happen a lot in like D&D because you're out doing stuff, you're sleeping in the woods and blah, blah, blah. Um, but you can have comfort be something that you play in to the game as a GM. For instance, what if a guy's got shoes that are a size too small? Those aren't going to be very comfortable, so he might be looking for more shoes. And maybe every time they kill a bandit or something, he tries on his shoes and says, ah, no, nah, these don't fit. Uh, these are too big. These are too loose. These are too old. 
or there could be the comfort of sleeping. If you're, you know, out there in a rocky area and you've got to hunker down for the night, believe me, I've been camping in areas where the ground was very rocky or full of pine cones or sticks or stuff like that, and you have to do a lot of stuff to get a nice, comfortable night's sleep. Cut pine boughs and put them down, lay on top of those, something like that. Dig yourself a little trench, maybe. Sleep in that. There's comfort just in the inns they stop at. You know, are they staying in some sort of flea bag place because they don't want to cut loose with any of their hard-earned money? Hey, have it be cold or rough beds or hard floor or wherever they're sleeping. You know, have fleas, parasites. Other people are sleeping there. There's all sorts of nasty little things you can pick up. So, yeah, comfort. You can work with that as a GM to uh, mess with your players or maybe think about things or maybe get them to spend some of that damn money. The last RPG prompt we have is brother. And brother could mean you feel like your mates in the uh, party are your brothers or your sisters. You could actually have it be about your brother. Maybe your brother is a big adventurer and you're doing this because you want to show people you can be just as good as he is. Or maybe you're looking for your brother. He's Left the family, he hasn't been heard from in years, you're going to go find him. You could be looking for the brother of somebody else, the brother of the king, the brother of a wizard. You could be looking for a brother that uh, somebody didn't know they had. They found out, hey, I got a brother. He lives, you know, up in Northlands. I want to go see him. Come on, guys, let's go. You could have a brother that's a bad guy. That's pretty popular in movies and literature and television and role-playing games. So a lot of ways you can use brothers. And that's the end of RPG prompts for this episode. We'll have more in a couple of weeks. Now we move on to a three-box problem. And this is a dandy here. <laughs> the three prompts are wood elves, hiding, clay golems. So what's up with that? Now wood elves, they live a simple life in the forest. They're not like the high elves who sort of just learn stuff and live a long time and don't really do a hell of a lot as far as I've ever heard. I mean, they do in D&D and fantasy games, but in literature, very often they just sort of walk around looking noble and regal and know all these secrets and stuff. Wood elves are out there living like the Native Americans did. They got to eat, they got to hunt, they got to trap, they got to fish, they got to keep an eye on what's going on in the woods. They got to, you know, stay on good terms with the animals and sometimes with other creatures. So anyway, you got wood elves out there. But why are they hiding these clay golems? And what's up with golems, plural? Well, maybe in this adventure, somebody finds out that wood elves are somehow coming into possession of clay golems. And then they're stashing them. They're hiding them somewhere deep in the woods. So naturally... Golems, that's not a good thing to have running around. And maybe a king or somebody or a queen or whatever hires you and says, hey, go see what the deal is with these clay golems. Well, the first thing you want to know is where are the wood elves? Then you want to know where are they hiding the clay golems? And then you're going to want to know where the fuck are these clay golems coming from? Who's making them? And why aren't they running all through the forest smashing things up? 
Well, maybe when you find the elves, you find out that there is a device that some evil wizard made a long time ago, and it sat there in the woods, and the wood elves didn't know what the hell it was, so they didn't want to mess with it, because it had a slight aura of evil. And then one day it turns on, and it's magically creating clay golems. It's sucking clay out of the ground, or sending little clay golems out to get more clay, and every day or two it pops out another clay golem. Now, maybe they aren't very big. Maybe these clay golems, um, in order to get a bunch of them, they're only like four feet tall or something. Those would still be a big problem, because one four-foot-tall clay golem may not be doing too much in a way to intimidate people, but 30 of them, yeah, that's pretty scary. Your guys have to destroy the clay golems, or maybe help the wood elves stash them some more, or there's that device, and do they destroy it? Will it blow up if they destroy it? You know, it's often not wise to just go whacking on machines or magical devices that could have very, very bad effects. So, however they do it, they need to stop the machine, make sure those golems are not going to activate, although if they haven't activated by now, then you need to figure out why didn't they. Well, maybe it's because the wizard is long dead, and he's the only one who knew the magic word. But you want to destroy him anyway, because sure as hell, some other wizard will find out about it and come here and have a way to figure out the magic word. So there's your adventure. Wood elves hiding clay golems. And we will have another three-box problem in a couple weeks. Now we do commentary. And this is a good one, at least for me, because it lets me vent a little bit. And it's titled, Gamers Who Drive Me Crazy. Now right off the bat, I have mentioned before that there is a certain element of the old-school revival generally guys my age or slightly younger or slightly older who just drive me nuts because they whine and bitch about all the new games and when I was doing it in my day and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Watsy is doing this and 5th edition is terrible and all these new people coming into the hobby and then it gets into things like social justice warriors and women and blah, blah, blah. They drive me nuts. They make me real stabby. But there are other kinds of gamers that drive me nuts, too. Uh, rules lawyers. Rules lawyers don't just drive me nuts. They infuriate me. And the only time I have ever come close to actually physically striking another gamer at my table was a rules lawyer. And he just would not shut up. And, of course, he had a lot of things to say because my game wasn't exactly going by the rules. And... Even when it was, he would find little nits to pick and little loopholes and things he tried to work in. And finally, I told him, shut up. I almost went across the table and punched him, but I told him, shut up, get the hell out of my house, game over for him. He had no clue why I was so pissed off. He even called me the next day and asked me, well, what made you so mad? So I filled his ear with exactly what made me so mad and vowed, I would never tolerate another rules lawyer, and I don't. Fortunately, I very seldom get them in my games, and if I get them in a convention game, I shut them down real quick. I tell them, you know, you can go, you can stay, 
but none of this rules lawyer shit. A related sort of gamer is the person who thinks they know exactly how a given game should be played. How D&D should be played, how GURP should be played, how Paranoia or Toon or whatever the hell else should be played. And it's not exactly the way you're doing it in your game. Despite the fact that you're the game master and you can play it any damn way you want. And they'll say, well, you know, the way the game is played, you don't actually do this and we shouldn't actually do that. And we know they shouldn't get this at that level. And yeah, I shut them down pretty quick too. Not as badly as game uh, rules lawyers, rather. But badly enough that I sometimes say it a little louder than I would like to. Yeah, I tell them, look, this is how we play the game. If you don't like it, adios. Another type of gamer that bugs me is the gamer who always has to critique everybody else's game. Not necessarily that he thinks you're playing it wrong. Not necessarily that they want a rules lawyer you. They just have to tell you, well, things like, Oh, well, you know, if you had done things this way instead of that way, and if you had told them to go this way, or if you had, you know, had this level of a fighter instead of that level of a fighter, and that bugs the hell out of me. I think it bugs the hell out of most people. Another type of gamer that I, I have come into contact with a lot, and I really try to help them as much as I can, even though it bugs me, are the people who take forever to figure out what the fuck they want to do. Now, there are a couple kind of people that fall in that category. One is the person who maybe hasn't gamed a lot, and they're kind of afraid of doing things wrong. And I understand that, because we all go through situations like that in our lives, you know. Now, do I say this, or am I going to piss people off, or do I do this, or is that wrong, am I going to mess up? So they're hesitant, and you know, you try and cut them some slack, but when they start taking too long to make up their mind, you kind of have to nudge them. The other kind of person is the person who goes through every possible friggin' way of doing something until they come to what they think it's the optimal way to do it. Now, a lot of times that's not the optimal way everybody else thinks of to do it, because everybody else wants to just get on with it. But this guy, will, you know, and sometimes women, will sit there and say, well, you know, we could do this and do this, but this is with, and if we do this this way, and blah, blah, blah. So we've got 14 choices, and everybody else is just like, Jesus Christ, man, just let's do it this way. And usually somebody at the table, other than GM, will say, nope, we're going to do it this way, that's it. And sometimes the person with the other thing, you know, coming up with all the ways, they'll sulk. That's not too often what happens. What usually happens is if you do it another way from what they chose, and you fail... They just sit there looking smug. That type of person that drives me nuts. So there you go. Gamers who drive me crazy. Most of them I can work around. Rules lawyers, I don't. Critics, I don't. I try and deal with them, but I can't. Well, folks, that's all she wrote for this episode. I want to thank you very much for listening. And if you have any suggestions, comments, or questions... I can be reached on Facebook, where I'm Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Docaverse blog, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com, or if you're listening via Anchor, you can leave a voicemail. And, of course, if you're listening on the Patreon page, you can send a comment and I'll see it very quickly. 
If you'd like to support me via Patreon and hear these podcasts weeks before they go up on Anchor, go to www.patreon.com forward slash dot cross and sign up for as little as a buck a month or a little bit more and you get some cool stuff I've set up there, some PDFs, things like that. If you would like to sponsor this podcast or advertise on it, get in touch with me by any of the means I mentioned, and by golly, we will work something out. Our music was Blueberry Piano Blues, which came off of Google Music, and I will be damned if I know who did it. So, there you go. If you wrote it, let me know. This podcast and everything on it, except the music, is copyright 2022 by Doc Cross. Live long and prosper.